Everett's greatest hits, sports, and more. KRKO Everett. It's a Thursday night in downtown Everett. We survived the snow, and we're back again. It's Prep Sports Weekly here. Tom Lafferty along with Steve Willis here on KRKO. How are you? Doing good. So, somebody's back again. I was noticing some of our athletes and looking on Twitter earlier. Right. We have teams that still aren't able to practice or go through their conditioning drills because their fields are still icy and snowy, but <laughs> nice and warm here, and the streets are clear. We like it. We do like it. Today's show brought to you by Allstate Insurance Agent Brian Reed, Everett Safe and Lock, Ace Hardware Stores in Lake Stevens, Everett and Stanwood, and Glass by Lund. Who do we have on the show tonight? On the show tonight, coming up here in just a moment during our opening segment, we're going to talk to Scott Sifferman. We've had him on the show before. He is the athletic director at Sultan High School. Go Turks. He also happens to be the president of the Emerald Sound Conference, two conferences merging from last year. That would be the Cascade Conference here locally and the Emerald City Conference, which is more in King County. So we'll find out where they're at because we keep talking about Wesco and their return and, and where they're at schedule-wise. Let's get an update from our one of our other conferences that features Snohomish County School. So we'll talk to Scott here in just a moment. And then later on tonight, we're going to do another history segment, or we're actually going to do two segments. This time we're going to talk about a legend from Snohomish County, and I do mean legend, Marv Harshman, class of 1935 over at Lake Stevens High School, uh, Legendary basketball coach, college basketball coach, coached at Pacific Lutheran, went on to coach coach multiple sports at Pacific Lutheran, uh, went to coach basketball at Washington State University for 14 years, left Washington State in 1971, became the head coach at the University of Washington, spent the next 14 years there. When he retired in 1985, was the seventh winningest coach in NCAA history. He's in numerous Hall of Fames, including the University of Washington and the Washington State Hall of Fame. Uh, as well as the Naismith Hall of Fame and some others. So we're going to talk with his son, Dave Harshman. Right. I should mention Marv passed away a few years ago at the age of 95, about seven or eight years ago. So we're going to talk to his son, Dave Harshman, who was a, a coach in his own right, and also, of course, our friend Larry O'Donnell, the historian here locally, who spent numerous years working for the Everett Public Schools uh, District. And Larry continues to come on here and, and dazzle us with his stories and uh, his his history and his knowledge of the area. So that should be fun tonight. That's coming up tonight. The Buzz In Steakhouse is one of our sponsors, along with the law office of Russell and Hill, Screen Printing Northwest, and by Hometown Handyman. Let's talk North Sound Conference. Let's talk. Well, no, actually, it's, it's, North, the, it's the, the, <laughs> we did this last time, too, last year. It's the, <laughs> I know it. It's going to be a, it's a mouthful for us. They keep changing conferences, but I, I think they're finally there to stay for a little while. Scott Zifferman, who is the president of the Emerald Sound Conference. And I've got to say, Scott, as we bring you on here, I'm looking at your um, your signature line on your emails. You're a busy guy because you, you include everything you do there. You're a district athletic director. You're a social studies teacher at the middle school there in Sultan. You're the president of the Emerald Sound Conference, president of the Cascade Middle School League. You're also an SMS AVID site coordinator. Is there anything you don't do in Sultan? Um. <laughs> Well, actually, I have to update that because there's been a little bit of a shift since we started the second semester. But uh, I've um, we, we had a, a need. We have uh, Sultan has been able to bring back all of our students at the, both the middle school and high school starting this uh, semester. And yesterday was the first day we got our sophomores and our juniors back on campus, as well as our seventh and eighth graders, and it's been fantastic. But we also know that with this. 
we had some families that wanted um, to continue education but wanted to do it remotely. So we had an increase in students that wanted to be a, participate in the Sultan Virtual Academy, and I've been asked to help assist the middle school kids that are going to be working through that. So uh, another bit of a transition, but at least I'm not teaching social studies for this semester unless it's with uh, the Sky Valley Academy. And um, I've also been able to transition away from AVID a little bit right now, too. So, yeah, but I do keep busy. I enjoy enjoy busy. The the plate is still running over there, so to speak. So, well, you you already took care of a few of my questions for me there in terms of where you guys are at as a school and coming back. Uh, Give us a little bit of an update as to where the Emerald Sound Conference is. And we should remind everybody... This is a merger of two conferences this year, the Cascade Conference, or the former Cascade Conference, which was your school, Sultan, uh, South Woodby, Kings, Granite Falls, and Cedar Park Christian out of Bothell. You guys have merged with the Emerald City Conference, which was Bear Creek, Bush, Eastside Prep, Forest Ridge, Northwest House, Overlake, Seattle Academy, Summit Sierra, and University Prep. That's a mouthful right there. That's a that's a big conference. Yeah, uh, it is, um, it, and... But because we're big, we're able to really focus on the, the whole spirit of why we did this is to build competitive balance. Um, you know, we've got 14 different schools, 14 different, um, you know, a lot of different demographics. Um, and throughout all of our schools, we have different programs that are in a variety of places. And when you have smaller leagues, sometimes it doesn't really um, bode well for the, the programs that are looking to be pushed a little further and it also is a struggle for those that are still trying to you know find their way and get uh get uh, focused in a positive direction this allows us we have two divisions um in most of our in in our larger um and our sports have more teams we have a chinook division and a coho division and that is and that fluctuates not geographically but by where the programs are um, and we also have a philosophy that, you know, at the end of this year, if there needs to be some adjustment with what divisions you're in, we'll, we'll be making those. But it has been it has been a bit of a trying year when you think about the great unve- uh, unveil of this year. And, and here it is. And it's going to happen in February instead of back in September. So did you decide to go with the, the two divisions this year, knowing that, hey, maybe for one year we should just stick to proximity in terms of cutting down travel and keeping everybody closer to home or are you staying with the let's keep the divisions competitively balanced and if travel's part of that so be it hey i I tell you what i'm surrounded in this league with all kinds of great leadership and points of view and we've had we had some great discussions about this um we, we want to provide a great experience for our kids um especially when they've been disconnected for almost a year of having um, activities and being, you know, remotely learning, and it, that hasn't gone well for a lot of students. Um, so, we, we, student safety is important, and we talked about that. We had considered maybe re, uh, redrawing some of our divisions for uh, ge- geography, um, trying to reduce travel, et cetera. But ultimately, we kind of landed back on the best experience for us is you know, having kids match up, teams match up where they are competitively, knowing that it's, and it's still unknown, uh, we could start playing games and we could end up having some teams that can't can't uh, play. So we figured let's just match up with the teams that we know should be matched up with and, um, and go from there. 
Now, did I see this correctly? I know you're, you're doing the fall-spring-winter schedule, much like we are around here for Wesco. Yeah. But I also saw that there's a seven-week schedule and an overlap for one week of playoffs. Are you are you actually yeah. going to hold tournaments or? We we, we are. Um, so one of the you know, we we really enjoyed that idea of having a rich tournament within our league, and obviously it might not be as rich as we would like it to be, but we wanted to provide something. So so yeah, at the end of this fall season, we have a seven week fall season. That seventh week is intended. We're going to have we have a, a a playoff in mind for. Um, pretty much all of our team sports along the way, and even our individual sports as well. And um, but that will be overlapping with the first week of the next season. And so um, it doesn't. We we should be able to support those kids that are trying to transition from the right now the fall season into the spring. We'll have to come up with some creative ways to meet practice requirements. But we also know that there are rules that, that allow kids finishing one program and those practices to be able to carry over into the next season. But obviously when you only have about five practices before your first game, we, we want to make sure that the, the five practices from your postseason week doesn't necessarily um, put you in a bad spot to start the next, uh, the next sport that you're playing. Well, and anytime you try to merge a conference, it's going to be challenging because you've got different athletic directors coming in from all over the area and some that maybe aren't as familiar with others. You guys get to do it during a pandemic of all things, which makes it even that much more challenging. How often are the athletic directors meeting? And, and talk a little bit about, I know some of your athletic directors, I think, are on the WIAA board and also keeping everybody else in the group uh, up to speed as to what's going on from that standpoint, correct? Absolutely. We, you know, again, 14 different schools. We've got a lot of people wearing a lot of different hats and, and helping us along the way. We, when we started this merger process, we had like three meetings last December and then a couple in January. And we were just in, we were beginning to figure out, okay, let's meet every month. And then boom, everything shut down. We, we were able to transition and pretty much do a lot of our, the work that needed to be done on a weekly basis last spring. And, but, but also like finishing up the business of the North Sound conference and the Emerald city conference, working through those details. But once we started the, this year, um, we, we, yeah, we almost, almost entirely, we we meet weekly and there's always work to do probably more work now than there's ever been. Um, we have, uh, young Kathy Schick from Seattle Academy, Rick Dean from Kings. They have, they're both in our league and have been, uh, they're on the WI board. And I'll tell you what, uh, for, for an organization, for a group that is pla- planned to meet once a month, um, this has been a lot of change, and I, I can't commend all of the, uh, the staff of the WIA for just trying to provide some, some, some sense of normalcy and try to, try to get us some answers and work through a lot of the challenges that we have. But it was nice having both Kathy and Rick a part of that. Um, we, we scheduled a lot of our meetings the day after their long night board meetings. Um, so we've been meeting on Wednesdays, and, and it's been, that's gone well. Um, I, I think I covered your answer <laughs> or your question. No, absolutely. And you guys had a school opt out too. Am I correct? For, for um, the, during for the, the pandemic? fall, yeah, Forest Ridge is one of our schools, and you know they were just not comfortable with coming back and getting involved with athletics at this time. So they're not going to participate in the fall. But I can tell you, Jeannie Higgins, their AD, she is our um, cross country coordinator, and. As you probably are aware, there's just lots of stuff going on in the world of cross country, and we've been trying to 
figure out how do how do we, are we going to handle that with um, the the new rule where you you can compete without wearing a mask. Um, there's obviously rules that are put in place for safety there. We've got some schools that that doesn't work for them. They need to make sure that everybody that's around them is is competing in masks. And others that are uh, interested in being able to follow what the governor and the WIA's guidelines are that allow uh, competing in cross country without masks. So we've been we've been working real hard. Uh, we're hoping that at some point in time, uh, Forest Ridge is ready to you know jump in, maybe in the spring season or in the winter, or if it if it's not, then we'll get ready for the fall next year. So, um, but absolutely a valued member of our community. Fans in the stands this year. So. Uh, we will not be having visitors come to our uh, coming to any of our contests. The our visitors meaning the visiting team, right? The home. Yeah, visiting okay. team. Yeah, I, no. The, yeah, uh, fans of the visiting team. Thank you. We will have uh, um, we we will have some schools that will have home fans. We have to make sure that depending on the sport, depending on the venue, what is that? What, what are we going to be able to do? We have to like for the schools that have football. It's a challenge, and I know that all of our schools are going to find a way to have home fans there, but it is, it's still really limited. We're, um, Sultan is hosting Meridian in a Jamboree Saturday, and I've been working really hard to try to make sure that we could provide you know, about three fans or three family members for each of our players. We have about 25 kids. Well, when we get into game night, I'm going to have to have more staff around and just there's more there's more individuals, so we're going to have to shrink that down. So while we will have home fans, it's going to be limited. And I'm certainly very, I very much appreciate that we've been years into streaming our games on TurkRide.tv, and Dave Moon and his uh, group of kids in the broadcast club do a great job. And and that's nice because I know that we've been able to help other schools that they're trying to figure this out for the first time. And so um, it's, that should work. Yeah, the streaming service is huge, that's for sure. So yeah. Turk Pride TV, uh, if anybody wants to get online and follow Sultan Sporting Events, you guys are starting up next week. You've already been practicing over the last, what, week and a half or so. And before we let you go tonight, I wanted to make sure we saved at least a couple of minutes for this. Uh, Tyler Deason, one of your yeah. students at your school, uh, missed all of his senior year to cancer. His junior year he finished second in state in wrestling you guys had to, I guess, petition to get him in a, a, a fifth year, and he's going to be back and competing this year. Absolutely, yeah. Tyler, you know, he, uh, so he's a football player and a wrestler, and his junior year, he, he goes, he finishes second in state, and, you know, when you, you go right from football into wrestling, your body gets banged up, bruised up, and, and he kind of had a pain, and he just would di- dismiss it as being just something that just wouldn't heal because of his activity. He finds out that he had a rare form of bone cancer, and they they attacked some treatment on it over the summer. Um, it didn't have the results that they had hoped, and he made a decision to say, you know, to remove his foot in order to not have cancer uh, spread and and become worse situation. He spent all of last year focusing on beating cancer, and and he is doing great. And I tell you what. Um, he he's now back. He's he's going to school. He is on track. Um, should be graduating this this spring, and and it is when we were doing some out of season practices. He he got to come out in January, and it was quite an inspiration to see him out there. 
he is a huge part of this year's senior class. And as we should mention too, uh, brother Cody, his twin brother, finishing fourth at state wrestling last year, wrestling more or less on his behalf. So really cool story that the Everett Herald documented last year, if anybody wants to read that. And we will certainly be keeping our eyes on Tyler. Scott, uh, appreciate your time tonight again. Hopefully we can get things up and running here quickly. It sounds like you guys are ready to go. Uh, Emerald Sound Conference has been practicing. Football games starting next week, is that correct? Yep, um, we will actually be having our first event. We'll, we're hosting a volleyball match next Tuesday night. We've got Northwest. The house is coming to Sultan. There we go, TurksTV.com. Go ahead and check that out. Scott Sifferman, thank you very much, and uh, best wishes to you guys. Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks a lot, Tom. You bet. You bet. There you go. Scott Sifferman, thanks for being with us. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk Hall of Fame with Marv, Hall of Famer Marv Harshman. We'll be talking about Marv Harshman with Dave Harshman and Larry O'Donnell. We're doing it next right here on KRKO. At Glass by Lund, if there's one thing they've learned over the past 40 years, it's that supporting the local community is very important. That's why they're huge supporters of Wesco High School sports, especially this year. It doesn't matter when the season starts. It doesn't matter the score. Class by Lund supports high school sports 100%. And if you need support with windows, shower doors, or skylights, residential or commercial, remember since 1967, Glass by Lund has been here to serve in your community. To find out more, visit glassbylund.com. Ace Hardware is a helpful place with prompt, friendly service, knowledge, and the little things that make a big difference. Service. Selection. Advice. Community involvement. Competitive prices. Convenience. Located near you. And the things you need, such as... House keys. Lawn and garden. Plumbing. Electrical. Hardware. Grills. Outdoor living supplies. And even nuts and bolts. When you visit Ace Hardware, you'll be greeted at the door and given the help you need. So come visit us at Ace Hardware in Evergreen Way in Everett, Lake Stevens, and now Stanley. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. Don't miss the President's Day big event at Judd & Black Appliance with monumental savings like up to 25% off refrigerators and 30% off laundry pairs. Plus, dishwashers starting at just $319. Save thousands more with rebates and get 0% financing for up to 18 months. Shop local and save at the President's Day big event. Going on now only at Judd & Black, your hometown appliance store close to home. Shop comfortably in-store, over the phone, or online now with live chat at juddblack.com. Justice is easy if you know what to do. Call 800-LAW-0842. The Law Offices of Russell and Hill are proud sponsors of the KRKO Prep Sports Student Athlete of the Month. These student athletes have demonstrated excellence on the field of play and in the classroom. Russell and Hill believes in being part of your community and salutes those who give the extra effort. Russell and Hill will fight for you. Call 800-LAW-0842. Prep Sports Weekly continues here on this Thursday night. Tom Lafferty along with Steve Willits. Some more history. I love history. I do too, and this one in particular. Uh, this is a guy who, a guy we're going to talk about here in a moment, who was kind of a hero of mine as a kid. I, I, I caught the tail end of him. Uh, okay. he, he was just wrapping up his college coaching career when I was a youth, so certainly I knew who he was. I was a diehard Husky fan, and he was a legend. We're going to talk a little bit about Marv Harshman tonight. Uh, for those that don't know, we should probably fill people in a little bit. Graduated from Lake Stevens High School in 1935, mm -hmm. class of 1935. 
was an athlete at the University of Washington for, for a short period of time. Uh, ended up going to PLU, or what was then Pacific Lutheran College. College yeah. uh, was a coach there for, I think, 14 years. Moved on, coached multiple sports there for 14 years. Moved on to Washington State. Head uh, men's basketball coach from 1958 to 1971. A lot of success there in Pullman. Then moved over to the University of Washington, where he was the head coach from 1971 to 1985. Uh, I think when he retired in 1985, fifth winningest coach in NCAA history, multiple uh, Pac-8 and Pac-12 coach, of, Pac-10 coach of the year honors, was the coach of the year for NCAA basketball in 1984. He's been inducted into both Hall of Fames. Again, uh, just a gentleman who has accomplished a lot during his lifetime. And we're going to talk with both uh, Dave Harshman, who is his son. Mm-hmm. And also Larry O'Donnell, our local historian here. And, and I've got to bring Larry on first because i, I got to have a little fun with him here for a moment. And for those that don't know or if you haven't been listening to the show lately, Larry O'Donnell, 83 years old, uh, class of 1955, right down the street at Everett High School. Uh, he's our local historian. He was also a longtime administrator and principal for the Everett School District. And Larry, I, I keep always joking about how you seem to be a part of everything history here at, locally in the area, and whether it's sports, community, or whatever. And then, of course, earlier today, I'm looking on Twitter, going through social media, and I was reading a tweet from Dr. Ian Saltzman, who is the superintendent for the Everett Public Schools. And I thought this was only fitting. Uh, Dr. Saltzman posted a picture of a, a two women talking at a school. And it says, 1983, Dr. Betty Cobbs becomes the Everett Public School's first minority principal when she was selected to the head post at Jackson Elementary. She is an outstanding leader who has been in the district for almost 48 years, and it was uh, to commemorate Black History Month. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, I keep reading in the very last words, photo credit, Larry O'Donnell. So, I mean, (laughs) everywhere there's history to be made in this town, Larry seems to be a part of it. Larry, you've, you've been busy over the years. Well, I've had some great opportunities and, and uh, have always been so grateful to every school district because uh, I really never left the place. started there as a kindergartner in 1942 and then came back and spent a career. And after I retired, did a lot of volunteer and consulting work with the district. But I had the good fortune to be a mentor to Betty Cobbs <clears throat> that year before she became the Jackson principal. In fact, she followed me in that position, and uh, Betty and her her husband Zeb have been longtime friends, and and uh, just two people who've done a great deal in this community. and And Betty's been a real inspiration to a lot of the the minority folks that come into uh, the profession, and uh, she just proves, yeah, you can get there, you can get get it done. <laughs> Definitely. Well, somebody who certainly got it done, uh, a pioneer in his own right, was Marv Harshman, class of 1935, and, and joining us also on the show right now, Dave Harshman, son of Marv. Dave, thank you for coming on with us tonight to talk about your dad and uh, his formative days here back in, uh, in, the, in the city of Lake Stevens in Snohomish County. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. And, and I guess we should start off by mentioning this, Dave. And I, it was just fascinating. I kept Googling things and pulling up different articles on your dad. And I guess the one thing I didn't realize, Marv Harshman wasn't born in Lake Stevens. He was born in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, yeah. So how did yeah. the family get and out then, here? Well, then, you know, back then, of course, with the Depression and everything, there, people were moving to find a spot where they could, the, the, his father uh, could get, my grandfather could get a job, you know. And so eventually they moved from... Wisconsin and Minnesota and Minnesota out 
out west and ended up in Lake Stevens. And my grandpa worked in the mill, and uh, uh, my dad and, and his brother Stur and, and his two sisters, uh, you know, they grew up there and uh, graduated from uh, Lake Stevens and then went on to, to, I guess, what you'd call bigger and better things. But I, I loved I, I love. I got to tell you, as a kid, as a young kid, going up to what we called the farm, where Grandpa and Grandma lived, and just hanging out, you know, in a uh, big old farmhouse, and uh, you know, back then, you know, you worked your, you worked that. I think that's the thing about that that era is that they they learned how to work. They had great work work ethic. They they valued education, and uh, you know, uh, all of his uh, his siblings, all his siblings, they all went on to to doing very well in their chosen profession. Well, give us the lay of the land. Where was the farm, the Harshman farm? Well, <laughs> you know what? It's there no more. Well, I would guess. Uh, but just about nothing is there remote, no more. It, it was it, it was fairly close to the lake, but I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you exactly. I, you know, I'm like I'm one of those guys that can get there, but couldn't <laughs> tell you, you know, the street or go left here or whatever, you know. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cool. It was it was uh, very uh, much. Uh, what what I grew up in America, uh, what what it was like back then. Well, and Larry, in those days, Lake Stevens was way out in the country. I mean, it wasn't a, across a trestle up two hundred four. It you had to. It was a day trip, right? Yeah, it really was. In fact, uh, it first really got going as a city when the Rucker brothers built a mill, uh, and then the little town developed around there and. And there was a fellow by the name of Ben Mitchell, uh, who was a druggist. And uh, you talk to anybody like uh, Marv, for example, and they have uh, great memories of Ben Mitchell and how he supported the athletic program in uh, Lake Stevens. But, uh, yeah, Lake Stevens was, was remote. Well, and we think about nowadays where the Lake Stevens track and field team, and we had one of the relay teams in here a few years ago when they won a state championship, we think about how large it is and how many kids go out for sports. Dave, you and I were talking on the phone the other day. The uh, the Harshman family pretty much made up the track and field team at one point, right? Well, yeah. Let me let me say this real quick. Uh, sure. One of the guys that my dad always talked about was Jim Mitchell, uh, and he was the son of Mr. Mitchell who started the drugstore. And right, and he was. They were longtime friends, and mm-hmm. and my dad really felt, uh, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of love and appreciation for them, but um, yeah, like I told you, so my uncle Stur was two years older than my dad, and for two years in high school, the Harshman boys were were the track team. Stur ran a nine seven hundred with uh, no 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 starting blocks at center track, and he so he did all the sprints and everything, and and Marv did the. Uh, the, the weights, the shot put, you know, and the the disc, and and then he high, also high jumped and and did all those kinds of things. So, but and they won the district uh, championship, uh, from my recollection, uh, uh, two years in a row. So, a lot of fun. And Larry, we talked to you recently about Lee Orr, who was a member of the 1936 Canadian Olympic team, who was finished fifth in the 200 meter. Uh, some classic battles probably back then between Marv Harshman and. and his brother, and also Lee Orr, uh, you knew a little bit about that, correct? That's right. The The difference was there were two Harshmans and just one Orr. <laughs> <laughs> it's outnumbered. Very good, Larry. Dave said so well, you know, Sterling was the sprinter, and, uh, and of course, Marv was uh, in those field events. 
But, uh, yeah, I remember talking to, to Marv. Uh, I went down and visit, had a nice visit with him about 2003, and we were talking about those Lake Stevens days, and he said uh, not only did uh, Orr uh, participate in track, but he also played football. And uh, like Marv, he was a, a big guy for those days. Uh, Orr was like 190 pounds. So anyway, there was some real competition between them. And we should mention, too, I mean, sports wasn't as – I mean, we've already talked about the fact that the, the track teams were relatively small. Uh, you, you saw different ages going against each other just because you didn't have necessarily the numbers. And I know, Dave, when you and I were talking the other day, you mentioned uh, your, your dad played a little summer baseball out in Lake Stevens even when it wasn't baseball season necessarily at the high school level. Well, well, yeah, like he always used to tell me, you know, back then that you played everything depending upon when it was. You know, you played football in the fall, you played basketball in the winter, you played baseball track in the in the spring and summer. And uh, so uh, there was a team, a Lundeens, which was uh, Larry probably remembers it, which was a uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, like a semi-pro team or a town team. Every town, little town, had their own team. But so my dad played short and third. For them, and he was 14 years old. You got to remember, he he graduated high school at 16, started at the U at 16 years old, started mm-hmm. college. So he's 14 years old, and and uh, and he's just starting to get his uh, growth spurt because he wasn't that big when he was younger. But um, so uh, what he told me, he said, and, and other people, is that the there was a road out at left field, way out there. And if you hit a ball that bounced over the road, it was a ground rule double. If you hit a ball in the air over the road, it was a home run. And at 14, he hit a he hit, you know, a, a huge home run. And uh, the scout for the for the Rainiers was there, happened to be there watching, and approached him and his mother about signing a baseball contract. And of course, my grandma, his mother, said, "There's no way he's going <laughs> to sign a baseball contract at 14 and go play." professional baseball but but he really enjoyed i think it just depended on the season he said we enjoyed playing everything so you know let's you know by starting with the football and going into the basketball and and everything and he said that he and, and he talked about all the guys he competed against and and talked about how how uh, how much fun it was and and how competitive uh people were uh throughout that area of snohomish uh and and, and you know he always i think it was you know, he, he was inducted into the Snohomish Hall of Fame, and, you know, that really meant a lot to him, as, as well as the Lake Stevens Hall of Fame. You should point out he was part of the, the first class of inductees to go into that Hall of Fame. And, and, Larry, to put that into perspective, and we always think about some of the great athletes that have come out of Snohomish County, back in 2005, the Everett Herald came out with a list of the greatest athletes of all time. He was number 11 on that list, and that, that's saying something. We've had quite a few pro athletes come out of here. Marv wasn't being judged on that list for his coaching accomplishments. That was for his athletics. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that speaks to volumes to just how good he was. We think of him as a great coach, but he didn't just play all these sports. He, he was extremely good at what he did. Yes. Do you, you know, know you, you meet people over the years, and, and they always tell you stories about your dad. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, my father was no different than anybody else, but that was that was true is that, uh, you know, I meet people and say, you know, I watched your dad play and he was the toughest guy I ever saw play football or he was the toughest guy I ever saw play basketball because he he was known for as a football player, but also then he played in the old, they, they had a pro basketball league too, and uh, Vancouver had a team and Seattle had a team, Tacoma had a team and all this, 
And, you know, he was kind of the, uh, what do I want to say, the enforcer. And not that he didn't have skills, <laughs> but he was the guy that would set screens. And, and if there were if guys got a little feisty, he would settle them down and everything. But, but he always talked about the opportunities that, that were provided in playing against some really good athletes when he was young, uh, you know, in high school. And, and then afterwards, when he, when he left Washington, because, like I said, he was only 16, and, and, and the, the, the immensity of the university, it was like not the place for him, you know. He, he felt so. Then he went went home and he and he worked for a couple of years and then he went back and to, to PLC. But he played against all the guys. A lot of the guys that he ended up playing with at PLC, he had played, you know, at the Y against or or, or uh, other situations. Was coaching always in his blood? Did he always want to be a coach? Did he always he, know he, he would be a coach? He told me. Yeah, he told me that uh, he did, when he was a kid, and I can't remember if it was fourth or sixth grade or something like that. The teacher asked him to write an essay about what they wanted to be, and he said he always wanted to be a coach. That's what he wrote about. In fact, he, you know, he talked. He always talked about how special his coach was, and 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 how he held him in high esteem. And he felt if he could get to that level, you know, being a high school coach, that would be, you know, that would be the pinnacle, you know. And and uh, you know, he never, he never, you know, thought that he would be a a Hall of Fame coach, you know, or uh, or anything like that. Larry, yeah, I... that, that high school coach was a fellow by the name of Al Martina. <clears throat> right. And um, I never met him, but I taught with his son, Bruce, in, in Everett. And anyone who you talked to that went through Lake Stevens had that same comment about Al Martina, that he was an inspiration to them. And... Uh, I know when I talked to your dad, I brought up uh, the name Al Martina. He said, oh, yeah, he's, he's the guy that I looked to uh, with such respect and love as a kid. He said he was more than just a coach. He was a person that had an influence on my life. So Martina was the coach, and then, Larry, you mentioned Bruce Martina, then Brian and Todd and Dave and Lori were all around my age, too, so... The, Martina, okay. the Martinez have been in the uh, Snohomish Lake Stevens area for a long, long time. A long while, yes. You get a little bit of that out here in Snohomish <laughs> County. Hey, hey, Dave, just out of curiosity, did, did did Dad have a favorite sport to play? I know certainly had opportunities to play in the NFL, it sounds like. Uh, obviously, he became a legendary basketball coach, but what did he enjoy the most growing up? Well, yeah, let me just say, uh, football um, was what he was known for. Four, but he, uh, yeah, he had the opportunity to go into the NFL. And back then, you know, he had just gotten married, and and my brother Mike was on the way. And you know, it was the, it was wasn't like it is today, where you know you're an instant millionaire when you put your, your John Hancock on a paper. But uh, and so you know he, but he 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 thoroughly enjoyed. But but like I said, I think I think in his mind, his favorite sport was the one he was playing. You know, if it, if it was basketball, he was you know he loved it. If it was baseball, he loved doing that. So he just he just he really enjoyed sports and and he, the the competition and and the the it, to me to him it was like a chess match. You know, he always wanted to figure out okay how can we get this job done. And um, I read a lot and I've talked to a lot of guys who played with him and they said your dad was always the guy. When it came down to what we call winning time, uh, he would he was so calm and cool, and he always came up with 
with it seemed the, the right thing to do, no matter the situation. Uh, the, the game when he kicked the field goal against Gonzaga to beat them and, and they were undefeated, you know, he'd never kicked a field goal in his life. And back then, I don't know if you knew that the rules were you had to kick the ball from where it, where, where it was put down, and he'd been knocked out of bounds. They'd been knocked out of bounds. So he's in the sideline. So he's got to kick <laughs> kick a you know a thirty some yard field goal on an angle, you know, to win the game, which which he did, and you know the rest was history. So, so we're gonna take a break. Uh, Our guests are uh, are um, Dave Harshman and Larry O'Donnell. We're gonna come back with a second segment here on Prep Sports Weekly, right here on KRKO. The Buzz In's always been there for you with a great deal on a great meal. And during these most recent restrictions, the Buzz In wants you to know that they're still there for you with to-go meals. Seven days a week from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. You can still get hand-cut Angus steaks, chicken, seafood, burgers, sandwiches, and all-day breakfast for pickup. So put down those pots and pans and pick up the phone and call ahead for pickup at the Buzz In. The menu is online at buzzinsteakhouse.com. The Buzz In, always a great deal on a great meal. School is back in session, and the hometown handyman in Monroe gives a big salute to all the student-athletes out there prepping for the most unique season we've ever seen. So whether you're from Monroe or Lake Stevens, Snohomish, or anywhere really, Hometown Handyman salutes your hard work and dedication. The Hometown Handyman, proud to support local sports and happy to give back to the local community. Find out more info at hometownhandymanpnw.com. Again, hometownhandymanpnw.com. Hi, I'm Brian Reed. As your local Allstate agent, providing protection that fits your life is something I take, well, personally. I am committed to learning about your needs and personalizing protection to meet them. From bundling your auto, home, and life insurance with ease to evaluating optional coverage based on your protection needs, I can build an insurance proposal that fits your life. Are you in good hands? Contact me, Brian Reed, at either of my Everett locations, 425-337-4646. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Life insurance offered through Allstate Life Insurance Company and Allstate Assurance Company, Northbrook, Illinois, and American Heritage Life Insurance Company, Jacksonville, Florida. If you're looking for a place that prints anything for any team, the place to go is Screen Printing Northwest on Colby Avenue in downtown Everett. They're the local experts for custom screen printing and embroidery. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coats, you name it, they can do it. Screen Printing Northwest has been locally owned since 1996, and they're the official screen printer of this radio station. Screen Printing Northwest, 24. 526 Colby Avenue, just north of Everett Avenue in downtown Everett. Go Cougs! And we continue with Dave Harshman and Larry O'Donnell here on Prep Sports Weekly on this Thursday night. Tom Lafferty along with Steve Willits. And I didn't even mention during the opening, I was reading off some of Marv Harshman's resume. Failed to mention the fact that he's in Basketball Hall of Fames, Naismith Hall of Fame, College Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, both the University of Washington and Washington State Hall of Fame. And Dave, I was reading uh, an article earlier today. Kurt Gowdy, the legendary broadcaster, was your dad's presenter when he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame and had some really nice words to say about your dad that I think meant a lot to not only your dad but also the family, right? Yeah, um, he, he really wasn't his presenter, but he was one of the guys. I think he was the MC, And he, he said, because, you know, they knew each other, and Kurt was from Wyoming, of course, and, and there weren't a lot of people in the Naismith Hall of Fame from the West Coast. 
And he just made the comment about a lot of people you here may not know who Mark Harshman is, but if there was a Hall of Fame for, for just gentlemen, he would be a first ballot guy. I, I thought that, to me, I think, and to my father, that meant a, 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 as much as it did going in as a coach. And, you know, he's. I think one time we'd figure it out, we counted it out, and I had it somewhere on a piece of paper. He was somewhere between 15, in 15 to 20 Hall of Fame. So. <laughs> he's, he's got a few. I've got his. I've got his Naismith Hall of Fame ring. I've got his 1975 gold medal from the Pan Ams, and I've got. I've got his uh, uh, Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year trophy over there, and uh, a couple other things that mean a lot to him. One of which is, uh, and I, I sent that to you. Was the got a lot of quite pictures of he and Coach Wooden together, and with my mom and all. They were extremely close, and. Uh, uh, you know, they were so similar in their approach to the game, which carried over into life. And I think that's what what uh, the people who played for my father, as well as the ones who played for Coach Wooden, really appreciated about that. Well, and Larry, you got to experience a little bit of that. You you mentioned during the first segment there that you uh, you were invited to the house down in Bothell at one point, right? Uh, later on in, in Marv's life, to talk to him a little bit about. Yeah, in fact, it, it stemmed out of this. Yale uh, U connection, and and I got to talking to him one day, and he said, why don't you come down to the house? He said, I've got some things there. Well, when he talked about things, as you well know, Dave, all these photographs and plaques and such, and it was just fascinating. And uh, I went in, and, and your mother was just leaving to go visit somebody at the hospital. And uh, at this time, your dad was in his late 80s, and I thought, well, I'm not going to stay too long. Well, he started talking, and I started listening. And as I say, it was fascinating. And I remember the thing he talked about the most was that wooden wooden trophy that he had there. And it was obvious that uh, there was a real close kinship between those two. And uh, and another thing I'd want to bring out that you emphasized, too, was he was so highly regarded as, as being a teacher as well as a coach. And I talked with Paul Shunnison, who was my boss in the Everett School District, and uh, played football uh, for Marv at PLC back in the 1950s. And he said uh, Marv never yelled at the at the team. He just he'd get you together, and he had a strategy, and he'd work it out. He said he never quit teaching. That was the the part of the really the integral part of his coaching. And he was a true gentleman. Uh, Paul must have told me that half a dozen times when I talked to him. Well, I think, you know, he's always – what he taught me, he says, coaching is teaching. And he said all the good coaches are, are great teachers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I think to me today there are two types. There are the teachers and there are the guys who have to go out and get talent. You know, everybody has to have talent to win. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But they kind of just have the talent and they kind of throw the ball out and let them just kind of run up and down the floor and and – you know their their talent alone is going to win games for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought you you brought up the, the I forgot about that. I think that might be the the award. The coach Wooden they started this award called the uh, John Wooden Keys to Life Award, and he was right. the first recipient, yes. and that meant so much to him. And I was there when he received it, and then the people who did it every other year. We you know we it was in conjunction with the NABC. Uh, convention, which is at the NCAA Final Four, 
And so every year you go to the breakfast and or the brunch or whatever it was they had there, and they presented it to you know like David Robinson got it one year, and Lorenzo uh, Romar got it one year, and it was it was it was about uh, not your wins and losses, but but how you affected the game and the people that yes. you coached during that time that you did, and uh, and that's the uh, you know that's the thing that I think I'm proudest of. Was it easy? Now, I have a picture of your dad next to that trophy. And uh, because of all the things he talked about, that was the one that uh, I could sense was really the, the most important. They were all important, but that one in particular was special. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> he told me this. What he call, when I, uh, he said, you know what? What that trophy weighs? Sixty-five pounds because the base is granite. I said, sixty-five <laughs> pounds? How the heck do you lift the thing? He says, that's what Dave's for. That's what you call the sun over, right? That's right. That's right. Hey, i got to move my trophy. Come over here. Was it easy for you to follow in his footsteps? I mean, your dad, I mean, again, for folks who are too young to remember, your dad was a legend. And I would think that if you're going to go into the same line of business, there's always that challenge of people are always going to want to compare you. Uh, and yet you, you did that and you did it well. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I don't know if I did it well. I tried to I tried to emulate my dad. You know, I was around and you listen to a lot of people who are in coaching talk and and some of the times in my mind I wouldn't ever say anything out out loud but I'd go well, I would never do that cuz my father never taught me to do that. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to uh a lot of, a lot of times the term he would use you didn't have to prostitute yourself to to be a good coach to have a good program to win basketball games and like he said you know he liked winning but that wasn't the that wasn't the the main objective he he enjoyed the competition uh he enjoyed the fact that he got to coach against guys that that and figure out how are we going to beat them um i remember when we when we left parkland we left plc and went to pullman you know, I started sixth grade in Poland, but but uh, uh, he, I don't know, Larry, if he told you this story, that the first game that they played in the, it was the old Pacific Coast Conference, they played UCLA and they beat them. Yes. And yep. he didn't have very good team. Now, I'm telling you right now, I, 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 I can remember, you know, saying things to him like, how are you going to win a game with those guys? You know, when <laughs> I was... I was 12 years old, but uh, you know he just left three guys that you know Chuck Curtis, uh, Roger Iverson, Jim Van Beek, who he said they would have been by far my best players, and they were back at PLC. Yeah. Well, anyway, a week later, or the no, not a week later, the next game because they were travel partner, they're playing Cal Berkeley with with Pete Newell and and Pete. That that was one of the years I think they I don't know if they won it or they were in the final four. And they just killed him. And and after the game, my dad says, "I'm sitting on the stairs, and I just, you know, I got my head in my hands, like, oh my God, we're we won't win another game, and that kind of thing." He's thinking this to himself. And Pete comes by. He'd been on the radio doing a radio show, and he comes by and he sits down next to him and puts his arm around him. He says, "Marv, quit being so hard on yourself." He says, "You know what you're doing. You just don't have the players to do it." And so. He said that meant a lot to him because he had a system in place. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know this. My dad invented the high-low post offense. And, you know, when he ran it at PLC, it, it was unbelievable, yes. the execution. But you got to know what you're doing, too. Uh, but but, but I, loved it. I loved the lessons. Uh, years later, when I became a broadcaster and just did 15 years for Fox Sports, we're down at we're down at Arizona, and I and I'd known Ludos a long time, and he would allow me to come in to the locker room and come in to watch practice and and everything. 
and I'm sitting there, and I've got my eyes closed, and I'm listening to Lute talk to his players on the court. And mm-hmm. one of them happened to be Bill Walton's son, who was a, he was a good player, but they had the Stoudemire's, and they had a lot of talent. And it just clicked in my head. I said, he sounds so much like Dad. And I think that's a thing that I took away is that the great coaches, like I'm real close with Tom Izzo at Michigan State because I spent time there, you know. And uh, he he's one of the few great teachers of the game today that, that really tries to help his players become better players on the court but better people off the court. And so, you know, that just kind of flows amongst uh, those kinds of guys. Yes. And, oh, by the way, you spent time at Michigan State, we should point out. You were an assistant coach on the 1979 National Championship team that had Magic Johnson. So you did okay for yourself there as a Spartan. How proud was Dad when you when you went out and did that? You, you, you one-upped him on that one, right? Well, here's a, here's a quick story. People don't know this. So my mom couldn't come to the game because my son was sick. She had the, he had the croup. So she's in the hotel. So a good buddy of mine was sitting with my dad, and he was on the NABC board. And so we end up winning the game, and my dad wants to come into the locker room because the head coach, Judd Heathcote, had been my father's assistant for seven years at Washington State. So, there, I mean, there was a lot of interaction. And uh, the guy, I wouldn't let him down on the floor. He said, he said, look, my name is Marv Harshman. I'm the head coach at Washington. I'm uh, like the vice president of the NABC. My son is the assistant coach at Michigan State, and I am going into their locker room. <laughs> he kind of just, you know, he doesn't yell it, but he was very insistent that he was going to. And then he comes into the lot, you know. I mean, he got to share, but, but I, I found uh, uh, a note that Judd had written him. Uh, I've been going through a lot of his stuff, and it says, and he sent, he gave him, he sent him a watch that we all got, and he said, this is just in gratitude because he says, you meant more than you'll ever know to our team. And so then when when Dad retired, Judd would have him come back every year for a week and just kind of uh, let him watch the players, watch the coaches, and and they'd meet every day and tell him what he thought about the, you know, about the program. And uh, so that that's uh, that's the, the uh, respect and, and camaraderie that, that guys in the profession have. Dave, I'm going to throw this question out to you. I'm not sure if you have a number. Coaching tree, your dad's coaching tree. Any idea how many guys have that played for him or coached Boy. with him that have become coaches? If you talked about John you know, Heathcote. That's pretty good. Yeah, Lorenzo well, Romar, I, I, right? Yeah. Um, another guy that comes to mind right away is Don Munson, who was at Idaho. That then he went to Oregon and, and was a really good coach. I knew him when he was a high school coach. And uh, yeah, a lot of guys that were. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't tell you for sure, but, I mean, there's a lot of people that were influenced. And, and, you know, and that's the other thing. Larry kind of mentioned this. I've met more people that weren't coaches that took my dad's basketball theory class back when they had PE. He used to teach it in the summertime. And to a person, I mean, I've had a couple ladies tell me this, too. To a person, they all said, I learned more not just basketball, but I learned more from your father and the way he taught than any other class I took in college. Now, to me, that that says something right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, re- he he just he, he just enjoyed that. You know, one of the things, and I probably I feel like I'm rambling, but one of the things my mom always says 
if you ask Marv a question, they'll give you a 30-minute answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I could follow up on that, uh, I mentioned when I went down and, and visited with your dad, your mother w- went off to uh, see somebody at the hospital. And so I thought, well, I'll maybe be here an hour. Well, three hours later, your mother returned, and she looked at me and said, well, did he talk your leg off? (laughs) I said, yeah, but it was all great stuff. And speaking yep. of speaking of which, I used to see your mom and dad quite a bit at Husky football games. We used to catch the the shuttle bus down at uh, Kenmore Park and Ride. I lived just a little bit north of there, and you know, in the in the late nineties and even into the two thousands, your your mom and dad would would catch the the bus and still go to football games, and well, they were just like the regular crew. Only when you look over, you're like, you see a hundred people in line waiting to catch a bus, and oh, by the way, there's Marv Harshman and Dorothy Harshman. I mean. Well, they they loved doing that, and they were. I think they were smart because instead of having to drive and try to find a place to park, you know, the one thing that I, about the respect that you have for somebody, and I do for my father, is the fact that he never asked for anything. I mean, he didn't ask, well, why can't I get a parking pass for football or anything? He would never do that. Never even cross his mind. So what they did was when he retired, they just said, yeah, we'll just go do. We'll, we'll drive down there, and then we we'll catch the bus and then. And when the game's over, we go out, and get the bus, and go right home. And I mean, it was it was like, hey, common sense, don't you know that? Well, I'll so, take I'll take uh, it yeah, one step loved, further. But he loved the football. You know, he loved football. When we, this is a true story. When we moved to Pullman, and Jim Sutherland was the head coach. Jim Sutherland was a guy who was light years ahead of everybody else when it came to the passing game. And uh, but he used, my dad used to scout for because when he go on recruiting trips, he would scout for the football team. And and do all this kind of stuff for them, and he he enjoyed doing that. I mean, the, the camaraderie was ridiculous back then. I mean, you know how how, how tight all the, all those guys were, and and if whatever they could do to help, uh, you know, their fellow coach, they do it. I wanted to also point out that one time I did take a bus with your dad, standing room only on the bus. Your dad and mom were probably in their mid eighties at the time, didn't have a seat. They were standing. People around them were trying to offer them their seats, and your dad and mom refused it. They. No, you got on the bus first. They're your seats. And I'm thinking this is legendary Marv Harshman in Basketball's Hall of Fame, Naismith coaching award winner. He's standing on a bus on the way to a probably a Washington versus Idaho football game. And I just had so much admiration for him. I just I couldn't believe it. I felt bad that he wasn't taking one of these seats. I was standing also. But it, it just spoke volumes to who your dad and, and mom were, for that matter. Well, that's, that's nice of you to say. But, yeah, they were, they were pretty special. They set the bar pretty high. You know, I, I had two other brothers, and, uh, you know, Brian's been gone 30 years. My brother Mike lives down in California, and when he when we talk, which is about every other day, he complains about being a conservative in, in California <laughs> and all the problems that they have. I said, well, you can always leave. Well, no, I can't. It's nice and sunny down here. <laughs> I did so, want to ask, too, because your dad coached. I mean, this was, a, this was a big deal at the time, I would think. I wasn't around, but in 1971, after 14 years of coaching at Wazoo, your dad leaves the school to go coach at rival Washington. And to put this into perspective for, for younger audiences, this would be like Coach Krzyzewski leaving Duke to go coach at North Carolina. What, what was that situation like? I've got to think that there was a lot of animosity, or, or did people think, well, Mar- Marv did his job here, on to the next, and we respect him for it. What, what was the mood like around the state at that time? Well, there wasn't, there wasn't any animosity, at least from the people in Pullman that we knew, because when, we, when they went back, uh, to play the first game, you know, they, they gave him a five-minute standing ovation, and uh, and then a huge party afterwards. And there just there were just uh, some great people that 
that, that realized that he was not looking. You know, he told me one time, he said, you know how lucky I've been? I've never applied for a job in my life. <laughs> and what happened is is that uh, Stan Bates, who was the athletic director, had left to take the job as the head of the WAC, as the commissioner, and Judd had taken the job over in Montana as the head basketball coach. And they had a new president who was from the mid from Illinois, and uh, and Judd was supposedly was told that he, if Dad left, that he would be the first guy he'd contact. Well, he's still still waiting, you know. And Judd's passed away a couple years ago, so that didn't happen. So. Uh, he he didn't have a good feeling uh, about the the backing of the, the the new administration, and when Stan had left and when Judd had left, back then uh, the athletic department and the P department were were basically one. You know they were they're kind of separate, but but they had one person over, and they came. Uh, there were forty five people in it, and they came as a group and they voted forty five to nothing that dad should be the uh, athletic director. He didn't want to be the athletic director. He just wanted to be the basketball coach. So um, they're having the coaches meeting in Seattle, and uh, this is right before Stan left, and, and um, Joe Kearney says to him, he says, I'm having a heck of a time trying to find a coach. He Tex Winter had left, and he says, he says, you don't think Marv would have any interest, do you? And he goes, well, he's upstairs in his room. Why don't you go up and ask him? So they went up. Then this is how easy it was. He just went up and asked him, and, and uh, so then, but he he kept calling back because they needed an answer, and the president would not come to the phone. And he finally got him on the phone and said, "I need to know what the situation here is with basketball." And the guy told him, "Well, whatever you uh, you know, what if you feel best that you should probably you know you never know what will happen here. You know, you know, sounds like a good deal." So he go, that's how he came to Washington. Uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I, I about the same way when when uh, Joe Kearney was at, at Michigan State looking for a, a coach, and he called Dad and he offered him. You wouldn't believe the number of jobs he was offered. I didn't know until two years before he died that he was offered the UCLA job. Hmm. Oh wow! I never knew that in my life. To follow Wood, they said we're not happy. We would like somebody who knows how to coach. We watched you for years. And he told this was a group out in the parking lot after a ball game. And he says, I, that's very nice of you to consider me, but he says, I've got a job. I've got a good job. All my family is in, in, the, in the area. And uh, he says, I, I respectfully decline. So, but it, uh, it, 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 it's, I, I think the integrity, you know, as, as good a basketball coach as he is, as Coach Wood, the integrity of the people that I grew up around and knew, that's what. That's what uh, people uh, came to understand and uh, knew that he wouldn't do it just for that. And uh, but you know he enjoyed he enjoyed his years. In fact, you know we we, we really love Pullman. You know it's uh, you know I play for Bobo Braden and uh, you know Bobo Braden, Marv Harshman, and Judd Heathcote all shared an office together. Now you got three Hall of Fame coaches in one. 12 by 10 little cubicle in Pullman, Washington. Now, how many can you see Shashevsky trying to you know, share an office with an assistant? Ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? But that's 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 the way it was. It was the camaraderie. It was it was the love for each other. It was the respect that you had. You when you played against guys, you want to go out and beat their brains in. But when you, you know, after the game and before the game, you were friends. And that's the way he was taught, and that's what he taught me. As we start to bring this to a close, I'm going to, uh, Larry, Stan Bates, Dave mentioned, 
He left Snohomish High School. He was principal and coach at Snohomish and went over to WSU to become the athletic director. It just really shows how much, Larry, that Snohomish County has affected coaching really on the whole West Coast. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And uh, yeah, because Stan was well, then so highly you know, regarded Dennis, here. And, and, and the people that knew him, no surprise that he was the guy that uh, Washington State would select because he was a talent. Well, not only yeah, there was a lot of guys. Norm, uh, Norm Lowry, you know, at Everett High School, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all those guys. Pinky Erickson and Dennis, you know, Dennis yep. and all those guys, and the guys that that that, that he played with, uh, Pat Wilcock, who ended up playing ball at the U. But all those guys, and then there's a gentleman I want to mention, Will Bockhofter, who became the head of the Washington State Patrol. Yep. He was a really close friend of my father's, very much competitive. And uh, so they when they knew each other from when they were kids growing up. And, and mm-hmm. uh, well, I'd love I'd love to listen to his stories. He'd come to the state tournament, and he and Dad would sit there, and they'd have just a ball watching the games. And they, my dad really enjoyed that. He enjoyed he enjoyed being uh, around the the coaches, the high school coaches in the state, because because he appreciated uh, what they had to go through to get to where they were. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think today there's a lot of that missing. There's not that connection between, you know, the college coaches and the and the high school coaches. I mean, he went down and started a started a camp in Centralia with Ron Brown, who who ended up coaching 56 years, if you can believe that, at Centralia High School. And Dad took his his two assistants down there, and they did started a camp, and they ran it for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I, I probably. Uh, you know, at least half of them, 25 or 30 of them, maybe I got to got to coaching. But we had more fun, and and you learn more basketball that way. But I I met more people, more more boys and girls because they had girls in at the beginning that say, "Hey, I was at camp with your dad, and he called me a rock pile when I didn't do something right." <laughs> and, you know, and it was a that was a badge of honor. Yeah, no, he he had such a uh, influence on so many people. One of them that I uh, think of is Booty Gilbertson. Uh, oh yeah, who is another that's in that uh, uh, Snohomish County Sports Hall of Fame? And uh, after your dad passed away, Booty wrote a really beautiful um, yes, he did thing for the the, the Herald that uh, you know just how much uh, your dad had influenced his life in in a positive way. Still yeah, and I, I was at his service too, and that was his, his daughter uh, had had contacted me and. Yeah, I forgot about Booty. You're 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 exactly right. You know. Yeah, and Booty would uh, used to love to tell a story about how your dad recruited him to play for that Lundeen's team, because you you mentioned your dad was about 14 or 15 when he started out there, and so was Booty, and, uh, and Booty said, "Yeah, Marv told me he'd go over the third base if I'd play shortstop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember him telling me that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I mean there there's there's so many there are so many quality athletes and coaches that came out of the the Snohomish area. It's just uh, it's a, it's remarkable. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. Booty article, by the way, is available still online if anybody ever wants to read it. And just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Kim Stewart played in the '70s. Obviously, coached at Linwood and Mount Lake Terrace for a while here. Yes. Uh, very influenced by your, your father, and also Mark Albertine, who was a great coach over at Snohomish High School, longtime athletic director. After that, I was reading online earlier today. Albertine took your dad's 
class in school, and he said one day your dad talked about the bounce, the art of the bounce pass for 45 minutes, and everybody was mesmerized by it. Not normally <laughs> something that people want to listen to for 45 minutes. So certainly the influences around Snohomish County and the impact that your dad had around this region live on and on. And uh, we could just we could do this all night, guys. And Larry and Dave, thank you both very much for your time tonight and for for sharing stories of Marv Harshman and just the, the great not only coach but human being educator, teacher. We should also mention he was a straight-A student in biology at Pacific Lutheran College. Uh, wonderful 95-and-a-half-year life, and uh, we just can't can't thank him enough for all the, uh, the contributions he made to our community. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm going to give you a quick update. 14.47 to go in the first half, and Gonzaga's ahead 13-5 to five over St. Mary's. <laughs> <laughs> See, now there's a team that I enjoy watching. Oh, yeah. Because they play basketball the way it's intended. That they do. Throwback right there. Well, Dave Harshman and Larry O'Donnell, thank you both very much for your time. The best wishes to both of you. Have a great evening. Dave, enjoy the rest of your uh, your basketball watching tonight. And, Larry, we will, uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. These, these segments are becoming popular, and you're outstanding to have on, as always. So thank you both. Well, it's fun to thank do, you. and thank you again. There we go. Good stuff. Yeah, I think he had that game DVR'd because that game was earlier tonight. So that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Dave Harshman enjoying a little basketball there. I, I could have gone on with that conversation for two or three hours. You bet. And Marv Harshman again. I mean, enough said right there. And to listen to those two tell stories, and some of which happened right here in Snohomish County and throughout the state. Yeah, wonderful segments right there. Today's show brought to you by Allstate Insurance Agent Brian Reed by Everett Safe and Lock, Ace Hardware Stores in Lake Stevens, Everett and Stanwood, Glass by Lund, The Buzz Inn Steakhouse, the law office of Russell and Hill, Screen Printing Northwest, and by Hometown Handyman. And who did we have on the show tonight? On the show tonight, we had Scott Sifferman. He is the athletic director for Sultan High School, also the president of the Emerald Sound Conference. Gave us an update as to where they are in terms of returning to sports. And then you just heard that last segment there. Larry O'Donnell, our local historian, longtime educator here in Snohomish County, and Dave Harshman, son of Marv, a longtime coach himself. We should mention Dave also coached for the Supersonics for a while as an assistant and elsewhere was a longtime PLU head coach too. So great times. There you go. That is it for this week. We'll be back again next week. Prep Sports Weekly. I'm Tom Lafferty with Steve Willits. Every Thursday night, 7 o'clock right here on KRKO. Good night from Everett. KRKO Everett. K237 GN AM 1380 and FM 95.3. Your music. James Taylor, Chicago. Beatles. Huey Lewis. Now, more of Everett's greatest hits. KRKO.
time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge I can't understand. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the Mix designed to pick you up. Oh, yeah. So much fun. Great fun music. KRKO. 